bet on yourself. Bet on yourself. A hundred percent all in. Make that decision and do not give up on yourself. And realize it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to look fucking Instagram filtered. It's going to be messy. It's going to be ugly. And you get to enjoy all of that ugly messiness because that's the actual beauty in who we are. Hello, and welcome back to the Full Out Podcast. It's Sam, your host, and I'm so happy you are back. Welcome, welcome. If you are new here, it's so good to meet you. And if you have been a loyal listener, what's up, queen? How are you? Today's conversation is with my friend Diamandia Lingos, and it really is a story of grief, of sadness, of heartbreak, of loss, of confusion, of despair turned into purpose passion, fire, like Diamandia is so inspiring. And I'm really excited for you to learn about her story, to really feel inspired and activated and given hope by hearing what she's been through and what she's been able to create since her massive life shift. So Diamandia is a real estate developer. She's an investor, entrepreneur, speaker, coach. She is a former VP for the UFC, working for their fitness extensions, UFC gym and UFC fit. She's a venture capitalist consultant, and now she speaks and consults clients on empowerment, mindset, and optimization, helping them face their fears so they can live extraordinary lives. So you are gonna wanna listen to the end of this one because she has a lot of takeaways, um, tips, uh, and, and things that you can start implementing today. You're going to be totally inspired and ready to take on the world after you listen to today's conversation. And hey, if you're loving this podcast, if you are finding value from it, if you are sharing it with your friends and you want to hear more, it would mean the world to us if you would leave a rating and review, share on Instagram, tag me at Samantha Jo Harvey, and help us get the word out. Welcome to the Full Out Podcast, where you'll get tools, tips, and inspiration to start living your most passionate, expansive, and abundant life. I'm your host, Samantha Jo Harvey, professional dancer and group fitness trainer turned lifestyle entrepreneur, speaker, and women's empowerment coach. It is my mission to help women live their lives full out. No more surviving your days, playing small, or marking your way through life. It's time to let go of your blocks, step into your power, and own that you are worthy of having everything you want in your life, business, and relationships. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Holy shit, Diamandia, welcome to the Full Out Podcast. I'm so excited you are here. Let's just let everyone know, first of all, you are in London right now. I'm on Pacific time, so thank you for doing this basically in the middle of the night. I'm so pumped to have people hear from you because you have an incredible story and you're just an all around freaking powerhouse. So welcome. Thank you so much. That's so nice to hear. I appreciate um, that. Girl, can we just like dive right in? <laughs> Who is Diamandia? Like tell us your story because you really do have an incredible story. And I think so many people are going to relate to your heartaches, your heartbreaks, and then also be so inspired by your triumphs. Um, so I'm just going to let you take it away. Thank you. Um, so I have a background in marketing and creative design. Um, most of my career I've spent working for other companies. Um, I worked for a restaurant group in Boston for 13 years. I opened around 30 restaurants and bars and I took three of those nationally. I then found myself uh, in Las Vegas 
I was working for the UFC for five years. Um, that's like four and a half. I was uh, executive marketing for their fitness extensions. So I handled UFC gym and UFC fit. And this is the first venture capital extension for their company. Um, it was really intense. Um, you know, both of those careers were a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, a lot of hustle, a lot of grind, a lot of ownership by the company. I was literally, I lived, I breathed, I slept, I ate, whatever that job was. It was all consuming to me. Um, I didn't sleep at all. I worked out and I worked and that, and if I partied, I partied hard. Um, it was a full court press for 30 years, essentially. So, you know, I really kept that going and going and I was really pushing really hard in my life um, until I had a super intense tragedy happen. Uh, Christmas day, uh, it was about six years ago now, my fiance proposed to me and then later that evening he killed himself. And um, when that happened, it really destroyed my life and the person that I thought that I was. Um, I had so much of myself at that point in time wrapped up in my career and my job title and my bank account and what I physically looked like and the amount of control that I had on all aspects of these areas. Uh, it consumed me. And within a moment in time, it was like a minute, that instant that, that that happened, all of those things that I had used to define my self-worth were taken away from me. And it was like the, it was like the carpet was ripped out from underneath me and I didn't have this, the tools or the skills at that point in time to figure out what was going on. Um, I had incurred a massive, um, a very intense uh, amount of post-traumatic stress disorder and I was diagnosed schizophrenic. Um, I couldn't function really in doing anything at that point in time in my life. And I had to stop, I had to stop everything and I, you know, I couldn't work because I couldn't, I couldn't really like think or really do anything uh, except be in this trauma. You know, I was in that moment. I was, it was in that moment in which I found that body every day, all day long, you know, and it consumed my being. Um, and I went from a very high performing individual who, you know, was running multi-million dollar company to someone who couldn't sleep or couldn't, I couldn't eat, you know, and I couldn't, my brain didn't work. And in all of those things that define my self-worth weren't there anymore. And I was felt like I was sitting alone in a space where I didn't know who the fuck I was anymore. And I felt like I was an imposter. I went through a severe bout of imposter syndrome and my body went through massive ups and downs. I, I got shingles about like 35 times throughout that year. I, um, I went through a thing called muscle wasting where your body eats its own muscle 
Um, I would, at that point in time in my life, I was very lean and I was, you know, I was working for the UFC. So um, I looked the part and I went to sleep at night and I woke up 15 pounds thinner than I went to bed. And it sounds like that's not possible, but I'm telling you, it is possible. I woke up and I looked like I was Skeletor. Um, and my body went through these massive, massive cycles and my brain and my body were very disconnected. And I, I was living in a space where their subconscious mind and your conscious mind almost have the same level playing field. And so as I went through my day, I would be seeing the, the playback, the, the day mirrors and the nightmares of that, those visions on repeat over and over and over and over again. And I couldn't stop being in that trauma. And my physical body, my nervous system was replaying that trauma over and over again. So I would, I'd go through muscle wasting and then my body would hit a massive cortisol flush. And, you know, I had always, always dealt with stress through exercise and through restrictive eating. And I wasn't eating at all but I was still really pushing to run away from my problems. And so I would run 16 miles a day. You know, I'd run, I'd run 12 miles. I'd play five, five hours of volleyball. And then <laughs> I'd eat like a piece of lettuce, you know, and I, I tried to control every aspect of it. And it was in a place and I was in a place in my life where I couldn't control anything. And that had been my skill set. You know, I, I had gotten to this great place in my life and my career because I could control things. I could control my mind um, and I could control my body. And these two things that were so critical to me at this point in time in this trauma, I had no ability to control. And so I had a really, a really interesting, I was in a really interesting point in my life. You know, I had built my career up to this place. And, you know, even before this had happened, I had been thinking about like, what do I, where do I go after the UFC? You know, like what is there after ultimate fighting? Like the NFL seems boring after you work for the ultimate fighting champions. Like it's just, it's just what it is, you know? And so I was like, well, what would the next move possibly be? And here I was in a position where I, I was in my next move and it was stop. And I was, I was forced to stand still. And that was something that I had never done before. I had been pushing and going and running and pushing harder and pushing harder and pushing harder. And here I was, I was backed against the wall and I became suicidal. I really couldn't handle the pain anymore. I couldn't handle feeling that feeling anymore. And I had been through so much trauma growing up and I had been fighting and fighting my entire life. I had crawled and scratched and like worked my fucking ass off to get to where I was. And I I was leveled and I couldn't feel that pain anymore. And I didn't want to do it. I, for the first time in my entire life, I didn't want to fight. And that scared me a lot 
Um, and I didn't know who I was anymore to be fighting. And I, and I blamed myself for everything that happened. And I was in a position where, you know, I didn't have any of these things that defined who I was and my finances were tied up in, in his estate. And so I lost everything that I ever made as well. So I was fucking broke. Like as a, I was in a position that I hadn't been in since I was 13 years old. And it happened in a one second. And I didn't know what to do. Like I, I, I just wanted, and I knew that, I knew that I needed help. That's intuitively, I knew that I needed help. And so I had asked to be brought to, you know, a therapist's office the next day. Cause I was like, I'm going to kill myself. If I, if I have to sit in this like this, I'm going to, I'm not going to make it out of the other side. Um, and so I went to therapy and I, um, I met my therapist who is an amazing human being and she saved my life and I saved my life. But the first day that I walked in there, you know, even being in a space of suicide, even, even acknowledging that as an option for me, I knew that this was not going to be it. I knew that this was not going to be, I wasn't, I wasn't going to, this wasn't going to be the thing like no fucking way. And it, and it tested me. And I, and I say that, and an hour later from saying that I wanted to end it all, but like in like the deepest part of like my gut, I was like, this isn't happening. This isn't how I'm going out. This is not the story. This is not fucking story. And so I made the decision and I, I made my therapist, um, promise me a few things. The first one was no medication and it wasn't, I don't knock meds. Like, I think that people need to use them when they need to use them. And I have had already my own experience with, with using antidepressants and it wasn't for me, it didn't work. And I knew that I couldn't do that again. So she was like, okay. And, you know, as I went through the process, I wanted meds. <laughs> like, I wanted meds. I wanted to be institutionalized, you know, and she had to talk to me about like, listen, you came in here, you made a promise to me and you made me promise you something. And one of them was no medication and you going into an institution and they are going to medicate you and you're going to be medicated the entire time. And that is not what you want. And that is not what you promise. I promised you and we're not doing it. And she was just like, you don't fucking need it. And you can do this. And you know, she had to break it down for me because throughout, throughout what happened, I forgot who the fuck I was because I didn't, I didn't think that I was that person. I thought I was pretending because how could I really be that person? If I let all of this happen around me, if I, if I, I was still blaming myself for his suicide. So how could I let that happen 
if I was this super intelligent person, if I was this, you know, overachieving, you know, alpha female who, you know, could do all these things, like, how could I let, how could I not see the mental health issues? Like, how could I miss this? How could I have not, you know, and, and that's how I was like, everything was my fault. Everything was my fault. And even down to like the last second, you know, like we got into a fight and he went upstairs and hung himself. If we didn't get into that fight, if we didn't do, it was like everything was, I was blaming myself. And so how could I, and she had to remind me of who, who the fuck I really was. And I was in this position where I couldn't work. I couldn't run. I mean, I could physically run, but I couldn't get on a plane. I couldn't numb this. I had to sit in this fire and I had to burn and I had to let it consume me and I had to do the work. And I didn't want to. I really didn't. I, I really pushed back on, on everything about it. And I knew it was the only thing keeping me alive. All I had to do at that point in time in my life was get myself back to that therapist's office 24 hours later. The only thing I had to worry about was getting back to her office the next day. And so we started breaking down my life to segments of the afternoon from two to three, from three to four, from five to six. And I just did the tasks that I had to do within that time frame to get me back to her office. And as I sat in this fire of everything that I've been avoiding, she asked me about my relationship with my mom and my dad. And I'll never forget it. I almost jumped across the fucking table. <laughs> I was so angry. I was so angry with her. And I was like, listen, I don't understand why we're talking about mommy and daddy right now. Like, we have this massive elephant in the room, this suicide that's destroyed me. And you want to talk about my parents. And she just looked at me and she said, that's what you don't understand, Diamandia. This has nothing to do with the suicide. And this has everything to do with the relationship with your parents. And at that moment in time, I realized that I was going to be in that fucking therapist's office for a lot longer than I had ever expected. Oh, girl. I love it. I walked in there suicidal, ready to like fucking jump off a bridge. But yet I was like, okay, so how long is this going to take? Is this going to be like 53 weeks? Like how would it be like three weeks, like four, like a month? Like what, how long does this take? And she was like, sit your fucking ass down. But when she said that to me about my parents, I was like, fuck, we're here. Yeah. We're here. I mean, the thing is never the thing. I mean, yes, and 
Everything is childhood trauma. Everything is childhood trauma. Everything is childhood trauma. So how did you, I'm like, yes. And so how long were you working with her until you got yourself back on your feet? And what was that shift into the Diamandia that exists today? That shift was, so it was really, honestly, it was insurance. Insurance started to like not cover me going every day. Insurance was like, you're not cutting yourself. So you can only come here once every three days. And it was them that really created that timeline for me. And when they did that, I was like, no, I'm not ready. Like I was like, it was like ripping again. It felt like people were ripping things away from me without my permission. And that was just, that was the trauma from, from what had just happened. But, you know, I don't like people making decisions for me. And I especially don't like people telling me what to do. And so with that, on top of having everything ripped, I was like, I'm not ready. And I was forced to be ready. So insurance started pushing. And I was, I would say by like five months, I was down to once every three days. And then seven months, I was down to once a week. And I was nowhere near where I am right now. And I like, I also, you know, at seven months, I was starting to function, you know, and I had stayed to consult with the UFC. They were amazing during this process. And I had done a few side jobs for them. And so with that happening, the sale of the UFC happened July 4th weekend to IMG. And when that happened, that executive team was terminated. And when that, that team, that like, you know, group of guys was terminated, they went off and they started their own venture capital stuff. And so it just so happened that like, I had a contact from Boston reach out to me of somebody I worked with a long time ago, asking me if I could work on a side project with them. And, you know, I got pulled into doing that. And so that was kind of like a Hail Mary for me. And I also was in a position now where I could really look at my life. You know, I, I was still very much in scarcity. I was like, I have to make money. I have to, I have to become the person that I just was. I need to rebuild everything to exactly the way it was before. Like I was still in that position of like, I'm still trying to like validate myself through like these external things. But I was like, okay, well maybe it, it doesn't need to like look like that so much, you know, like, I don't know if I want to work for a company anymore or anybody else, actually. Like, I don't know if I want my soul owned anymore because that really wasn't fucking working. It was working. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, if you looked at me on paper, I was fucking killing it. If you looked at like my heart and my soul, I was dying on the inside. You know, I had very much signed the deal, a a deal with the devil. And I'm not saying that my, my employers were the devil, but it was the position that I was in. I didn't own my, my worth in the, in that space at all. And I was just working to make millionaires, billionaires. Mm -hmm. And I started to like, lean out of that, like, okay, like 
what you know what else what comes after the ufc who fucking knows like where do you go from there and then also do i do i want that you know do i really want i like the lifestyle not denying that in any way shape or form that was so fun but i want it on my own terms now you know but i feel like so many women like come up against that they're like okay i'm putting they're working for someone else they're building someone else's dreams someone else's bank account someone else's freedom and there is that internal conversation that internal battle that internal like tug of war of do i continue down this path because a it's the only thing i know or b i make a great paycheck it's safe yep and i've got a husband and children and they depend on me and therefore I have to eat shit every day because I have to provide the safety for whatever it is the thing the story is that they've created that has a lot to do with it and so I didn't have the husband or the kids but I had the story and so having no money at this point too I was like I need to provide safety for myself and safety at that point in time was financial and but I was like, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I still didn't know. I was like there, I was like putting the pieces together and I had started investing in real estate when I was 26. And I had been battling this, this exact question that we're talking about since I was 26. And my employer, I remember sitting down with my boss then and him being like, which one do you want? Do you want real estate or do you want to be the, you know, VP of marketing here. And I was like, I want real estate. And he was like, well then go do that. And I was like, I don't have it. This isn't providing a salary for me. And so when I was 26, I wasn't ready to bet on myself. You know, I was still coming at this from fucking scarcity and I I didn't, it didn't click all the way for me. And so here I am, I'm 36. I'm in a shit tornado. I'm trying to rebuild my self-worth, like who I am, like trying to figure out who I wanted to be and how I wanted to show up in this world. And so like, I kept coming back to that thing, like what person do I want to be? And like, how do I want to show up in this world? And I didn't figure it out all the way. Like I was kind of like trial and erroring it. And I was you know, I was falling on my face over here and I was like beating myself up about it. And, you know, it just like pieces and pieces started coming together and I kept pushing myself in different ways that I had never pushed myself before. Cause I had tried to rebuild myself exactly the way that I had built myself before. And that was not working. That was not working. It worked. It got me to where I was. And it was the thing that was holding me back from going forward in my life. And I was so stuck in my own shit, in my own self-worth, in my own not trusting because of what had happened that I, it wasn't clear to me because I was not completely aligned with like who I was and what my intention was in the world. And so as I went through and started really thinking about, you know, I was in therapy so much, I was doing all this work, I'm dealing with fucking my parents and 
my childhood and the suicide and like all of this shit and like past relationships with men and like everything that you never want to look at or talk about or acknowledge in yourself, I'm sitting in it. And so I'm in this space of burning and I'm like, okay, like how, who, how am I like, how does this, who do I want to be? Like, who do I want to become? And I got my real estate license. And I, I didn't want to become a real estate agent, but I got my real estate license. And I decided to do that because I wanted to start working with investors. And the best way for me to, to get the contacts, to, you know, be able to talk to people. I, you know, I was moved to Rhode Island and I was in Newport at the time and I didn't have a network. I had a network of people that I know from bartending. You know, I didn't have a network of professionals like I had in Vegas and New York. And I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? You know, and I wasn't a hundred percent in on that, you know, and I, then the guys from the UFC, they started their own VC stuff. They started calling me and asking me to do work that I had done for UFC gym and UFC fit. So I guess, kind of by happen, like accidentally, I guess I was starting a consulting company, you know? And so that like took off, you know, and I leaned out of the real estate thing and I started working in VC and I was working with, I was doing the same thing that I was doing for, you know, corporate America, but I was doing it with directly with the millionaires to make them billionaires. Like, I was in direct contact. I was hired to come in to do X, Y, and Z. It was their contact with me that brought me into their sphere. And I was being opened up to literally add zeros to their bank account. And I, it became very clear to me what my skill set was in that space. And I was like, why am I not doing this for my fucking self? Like, why am I not doing this for myself? But I still wasn't doing it for myself. And so I kept being like, okay, like I'm really good at this. Like it's, I have the proof. I can't ignore the proof, cannot ignore the proof. And that something inside of me was like, you're, I was like afraid. And it wasn't fear like, oh, I'm actually afraid. But like, cause I didn't have any fear really. Cause I, I was working in such extreme environments with extreme intense human beings that wasn't a fear for me it was like I was afraid to actually succeed like I was afraid to be Diamandia incorporated you know I was afraid to actually own the like the forward-facing company and this wasn't like part of my like conscious understanding at the time I just was like why am I not doing this myself? And then I didn't do it. And I kept like realizing that like, I was still doing the work. I was still doing the work. And I went to Peru and I had a friend who had been putting on these retreats and for years, and he had been asking me to go and asking me to go. And I kept saying no. And then finally that year, I was like, yep. And I just knew, I just knew it was time. And I was like ready. 
for, I don't know what, but it was time. And, and that's all I could say was it, it's time. It's just time. And so I went to Peru and I went to the jungles. I did plant medicine. I did ayahuasca for the first time. It knocked me on my ass. Um, because I asked for that. And I'm not speaking about anything. Like, I don't know whoever's listening to this and whatever research you do in ayahuasca or plant medicine, like I can only say that you get what you ask for. And my intention with my journey at that point in time was to release my body of all the trauma that I was holding on to, to fill myself with love and light and to show me the path. And it did like a freight train. And I came home from that trip and I didn't know what the hell was going on. I was soup, but I knew that intuitively something had shifted inside of me. Something had changed. And I, I started to realize that like, what was going on with that trauma? What would had happened with the, all the things that happened had nothing to really do with me anymore. And I started to see, like, as I started talking about the suicide and as I started being vulnerable with people and letting them see me and showing them who I was, I started seeing shifts in other humans. And it was never my intention to do any of this. It was never my intention to be on podcasts. It was never my intention to speak. But as I started to open up and share my story, I started seeing the change happen in other people. And when I saw that, I tried to run away from it again. <laughs> and I pushed back on it. And I had a really amazing network of people that I had surrounded myself with who saw me and they wouldn't allow me to hide anymore. And I was asked to do a podcast with James Silvis um, and that was the first podcast I'd ever done. And it was the first po podcast I'd done telling my story about the suicide and what happened. Cause I had been trying to really like work on this suicide, but like, forget it and move on. You know, I was like, okay, I'm going to do the work here. I'm going to, I'm going to just do it. I'm going to become who I was before. I'm going to forget that this happened. And then I'm going to move on with my life. Like nothing ever happened. That was like kind of subconsciously what I was thinking was going to happen. But really what happened was the opposite. And when I told a story on James's podcast, Be That 1%, I had no idea what was going to happen after that. I was so stuck in telling the story. I was so stuck in like, actually like getting it like shaking and like my jaw, like not even quivering while I was speaking. I was so stuck in the story and telling the story. I didn't think anybody was going to listen. And I was a vice president of fucking marketing. All I did was look at KPIs and analytics. Yet I, in my shit, didn't think that anybody was going to listen to the story. And so it blew up. You know, the next day I had like 450 direct messages in my Instagram account. And at that time, my Instagram had like a thousand followers. So I had no, I was not like in that space. I, you know, a PR person called me, asked me to be on a television show to talk about mental health during COVID. And I was like, how, 
who, who am I to talk about mental health? And she's like, who aren't you to talk about mental health? You know, because in my brain, I needed a certificate or a degree in psychology or fucking X, Y, and Z to validate the fact that I had already gone through all of this stuff. I had a PhD in trauma and I was still looking for validation on a piece of paper for someone to tell me I was worthy about speaking about trauma. And I just had, I created this like story in my head about how I wasn't, what I was saying wasn't valid. And I was probably the most valid. And when, you know, when that went crazy, like I was on like five more podcasts right after. And it was like, it was like, I couldn't ignore what was going on. And as I started talking to people, I was on calls, like back to back calls, 7am to 10pm every day for two weeks. And I was just like listening to these people talk to me about their their stuff or, you know, explaining how I, I had impacted them or how they had called a therapist or, you know, had reached out or like there was some change that they were creating became very, very clear to me that this had absolutely nothing to do with me. And whatever it is that I was creating in my mind, whatever story, whatever fear, it was just fear. I was creating because I didn't want to face it. And the more I leaned into whatever that fear was, the more I got out of what I was supposed to be doing. And so like, it's funny because now I just, you know, I have this mantra with people that I work with or who I'm coaching or mentoring. Like if it doesn't make you want to throw up, then you're not doing it. If it makes you want to vomit, you have to do that thing because that's the thing that's holding you back. So public speaking, I, I literally want to puke doing a TED talk, like talking about this trauma. I have to do it. I have to do it because it's what's holding me back. And as I've been working through all of these things, like the results that I see in my life are wrapped in whatever that fear is. And so as I went through, you know, that was, that was two years ago. So, you know, I came back from Peru, this freaking thing was happening around me for me that I didn't want and realized that I was, I had to be, this was who I was. This was my purpose, let alone, like, this was the thing that I wanted to ignore, but this was my purpose. And I made a very clear decision in my life. It was in March. And I was like, I am going to start a real estate investment company. And I'm going to do that to create enough passive income that I never have to think about money. I don't even need to look at my fucking bank account. And I'm going to do that so that I can get on stages and create as much change as I possibly can in this world. And it was like ironclad, stamped, fucking done. That was what was happening. And then a year later, I did it. I like took my real estate license, even though I didn't want to be a real estate agent, I became a broker because I was like, if we're doing this, I need, I need my own leverage. I'm not working underneath anybody. And I just like went for it and like put my head down. It was during COVID. So I did what I could from a service standpoint. And I did some more marketing from a service standpoint. And after that last run with marketing, I was like, we're done here unless it's for me. 
And then I was full in and I started, I started my investment company. I'm like literally January 1st, I was under contract with my first investment by like the second week of February. And it was insane. And it, like, I literally had a partner show up in my life and I went through another leadership program and I just kept putting myself in more and more containers. I went through ALA. I, you know, and in ALA, I kept seeing the same thing. I kept seeing that I couldn't ignore my greatness. And I tried to hide in there. I tried to play fucking small in there. And I tried to dim my light because I was worried about other people getting hurt because of how powerful or strong or bright I was. And I just started seeing like, I don't have any more fucking time for this shit. I don't have any more time worrying about someone is insecure about their shit. I don't have any more time like dimming my light. Like this is enough is enough. Like this is who I am. This is how I show up in the world. And if anybody has a problem with it, they don't have to be part of my life anymore. I am like literally coming into this space with the purest intentions of creating as much change as humanly possible and being of service and creating like, and showing humans what they can actually achieve in this world. And if anybody has a fucking problem with it, just get the fuck out of my way. Hell yes. I'm obsessed with you. And if anyone wants, any listeners want information about ALA, that's actually how Diamandia and I met. So we, we can thank ALA for bringing us together. And it really was insane and amazing just to see your journey and transformation in that. Obviously your transformation has been taking place over years and years, but like the amount of effortlessness that you needed, it was just simply you like being there like, oh yes, of course I'm fucking powerful. Of course. Like, of course. And for you to see that yet again, for that to be mirrored back to you yet again, um, I was actually like a very similar experience that I had was like, oh, I don't need to prove myself. Oh, I don't need to dim myself. Oh, I've been so worried about what everyone else is thinking about me that I haven't been showing up in my fullest. And so I think that's why I've been obsessed with you from day one, because I'm like, oh yeah, we're the same. We're mirrors. Um, And it's amazing. I have a million questions for you, by the way, like I'm trying to keep an eye on the time, but I have a million questions for you. And maybe we can do like laser answers so we can get through a bunch of them. So this idea of realizing that it wasn't about you, but it was about other people. Like your mission was to really serve other people. Um, How do you support other women or what would you say to other women who are like moving through their shit right now, but they can feel that there's like the calling to something bigger, but they have no idea where to go. Get a support system. Like 1000%. You need to surround yourself with people that support you, that see you hire a coach, invest in yourself. Like investing in yourself is the most important thing. Moms take fucking time for yourself. Like career driven women take time for yourself. Like get yourself in containers, do the leadership, do programs. Like when I, I can honestly say like putting myself coming out of Peru and then like knowing that I needed more, I went into ALA the next year. That was, you know, 50 was 108 days long. And then after that, I went back to fucking Peru, you know, and in that process between ALA and Peru, and I wanted to mention this as well, like at one point I hired a business coach and 
this was the most amount of money I had ever spent on myself in this space. And I almost threw up when I wrote the check. So I knew I was doing the right thing, but that when I wrote that check, when I signed that over, it took me six weeks and I knew it was the guy I'd done all my research. Every cell in my body was like, this is the guy, but I couldn't write the check. And once I wrote the check, it was like, I didn't have any place to hide anymore. I didn't have any place to hide. And when I wrote that check, four weeks later, a multimillionaire came to me who I had been talking with, just connecting, just becoming friends with, big money real estate developer, huge, came to me and was like, I never do this, but I want to mentor you. And I was like, what? And he was like, um, I'm going to make you a multimillionaire. And I'm going to teach you how to own your life with an iron fucking fist. And you are never going to have to do anything that you don't want to do ever again. And I'm going to show you how to do that. And I'm going to teach you. And I'm going to like take you under my wing. And it's a massive buy-in because I'm not messing around. And I had to write another check, another a bigger check than the first check that I wrote. And I emptied my bank account, full liquidity gone. And I had just rebuilt that. And so at this point in time, I had to write, I had to bet on myself all the way in. Like I was all in on all in on myself and there was no one to hide behind and there was no partners and there was nothing. And then within six weeks of that day, I signed a multi-million dollar investment deal. And I'm developing a 30 to $50 million deal in Austin, Texas right now. Of course you are. Hell yes. Crazy. Just to say that out loud is absolutely insane. And to think about, you know, one of the most pivotal points in ALA for me was senior, you know, senior captain's week and I cried tears of joy I had never in my life experienced being happy and fulfilled in such a way that I am now and knowing that like I don't have to do multi-million dollar deals I don't have to do fucking shit if I don't want to and I'm enough and like just me being me is enough I don't need any more validation from anybody else, anywhere else. Like I'm good. And the more I leaned into and understood that fact of my life, the more things have shown up for me and I've made more money without working as hard as I have worked. Like things have literally come into my life that I I can't even explain like the insanity that has occurred. Like my first capital raise, I like was so fucking freaked out about, I had to raise two and a half million dollars. I was so freaked out about this. I had no idea how I was going to get it done. None. I was questioning myself. I was questioning what I was doing. I literally had someone who I hadn't talked to in eight months. And I went on a bubble date with this guy eight months ago. (laughs) I swear to God, I hadn't talked to him. 
it was just, he wasn't in space for that. And he just called me out of the blue was like, what are you doing? Um, and I was like, I don't know. He's like, what are you working on? And he's like, I know you're working on something. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, okay, I've just bought, you know, 45 acres in Austin. I like told him about the whole deal. He was like, okay, like, what are you doing on Sunday? You want to like hang out? Comes in over on Sunday. He walks through my door, sits down on my couch and is like, okay, I'm going to give you $250,000. And I was like, what? I raised four hundred and ten thousand dollars in like four days, and yeah, girl, more than half of it just walked through my door. You know, but it was that is just like a pure example of you of me at that point in time, unapologetically showing up for myself, talking about what I was working on, as humble as I could possibly be, explaining from the most vulnerable space what had happened in the past year like this whole journey. And he was like, here you go. I completely trust you. And I was just like, I just couldn't even believe it. Mm, it's, awesome. it's just an example of like what you, what you are capable of. You are literally capable of anything in this world. As long as you declare it and believe in yourself, it will show up for you. You don't even have to go get it. It will just come in the door. Mm. What do you say to women who are like stuck in the overwhelm, the burnout, the, like all of that, you know, I know that you said earlier, like take time for yourself. Do you have any like quick tips right away? If someone's like, I'm in, I'm like clawing my way. I'm in the do, do, do I'm like in the rat race. I know there's something more like, how do I just like take a break? How do I make it just come to me? Lean out of whatever you're doing, like stop doing so much and start being who you're supposed to be. Cause the doing like the check marks, the boxes, the fucking to-do list, like, listen, we need that to a degree we do, but like, that isn't who we are. And that becomes who we are and aligning with the person that you are want to be in this world is the most important thing. And if you need to create the space to actually do that, you know, I think, I think rituals are critical. I think affirmations are critical. You know, I am open and ready to receive all the love and abundance the universe has to offer me. Like every day I say that because I forget, like I forget that I am open and ready to receive all like the love and abundance, you know, my meditations, even though I push back on them and it's been so hard for me to get in a routine with them, critical because I would have fucked all of that up that I just told you, I would have fucked it all up if I did not take space for myself, like the hour in the morning, your workout time in the morning. It, and it's not a workout. That's like, I have to kick my ass. You don't have to beat the shit out of yourself in that workout. You have to like mindful movement, be conscious of what you're doing to your body, align your mind and body in that space. You know, like it doesn't have to be a beat down. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So good. That's, that's something I think I've learned more in my thirties, um, after coming from, you know, a massive fitness and, and dance career. And I'm curious, cause you and I talked about this on the phone, um, like a couple of weeks ago, and I would love for you to speak on it. And then we'll start to wrap up is the difference between your thirties and forties. Like you're in your forties now. Can you just speak on what you feel like that evolution has, has been for you? I was really, really fearful of my forties, to be honest with you. Like I thought it was like a thing. 
and I was going to be old and my like body was going to fall apart and my shit's going, you know, I, I've never felt so good in my entire life. I've never felt so confident in my own skin. I've never felt more attractive. I've never felt more empowered. I've never felt like I've had my shit together. Like I do right now. And I thought I did in my thirties. I, you know, my thirties were awesome, but like my forties are like epic, epic. I'm ready for epic. I mean, I'm not there yet, but I'm like, I'm in the mid thirties and I'm like, okay. Like, you know, and what I, what I love about you too, is like, you don't have children yet. And I don't actually even know if that's something you want to do, but for someone like myself, I have different groups of people and there's certain people in my life that had kids when they were in their twenties, they've had kids in their thirties. And, and that's just not the path my life has taken, but to know that there are just powerful, incredible women that are still thriving. I think that our society, like we've had this thought that like, once you hit your forties, you're like going downhill, but I love that you are the shining example of like, Oh no, my life is just getting started. My empire is just getting started. Like watch me. Yeah, no, I literally feel like I'm just getting started. If you were to sum this whole conversation up in one statement, like that is it. And like, in terms of children, like my sister had a kid when she was 47. Like, I, I mean, I'm not trying to do that, but like, I don't feel like there's a biological clock that's ticking. And like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it when the fuck I want to, not when I'm being told to do it. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) You're so amazing. Diamante, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. I could listen to you for hours too. So um, I know people want to connect with you more. Where can they find you? Uh, Instagram, I think Diamandia um, is probably the easiest right now. And uh, just send me a DM on there. I'll definitely get you. We'll, we'll, we'll link it in the show notes. And then last question that I ask everyone is you are in an elevator with a woman and you're going from floor zero to floor 11. And they're like, Diamandia, how do I live my life full out? What do you tell them? Bet on yourself. Bet on yourself. A hundred percent all in. Make that decision and do not give up on yourself. And realize it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to look fucking Instagram filtered. It's going to be messy. It's going to be ugly. And you get to enjoy all of that ugly messiness because that's the actual beauty of who we are. Thank you so much for joining me. If today's podcast inspired you in any way, we would love your support in spreading the word. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and let the other queens in your life know that they are also worthy of living life full out. If you want to continue the conversation, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook at Samantha Joe Harvey. Have a fabulous day and I'll see you next time.